Good afternoon. It's Friday, February 20th, 2015. This is Chickie Fitzgerald with the Executive Girlfriends Group. And we have with us today Anna Carroll, who is the author of a book called The Feedback Imperative. And it is specifically about providing everyday feedback uh, to a team. But I think that there are so many parts of this book that will help you just give feedback to everyone in your life. So with that, let me introduce Anna. And Anna, welcome. And why don't you just dive right in and tell us a little bit about you and your background and and what's your day job? Okay. Well, um, my background is kind of combines a couple of areas. One is I have an MSSW, so kind of a I started out like wanting to do therapy and do group work, and uh, so I have a social work degree. So I really appreciate psychology and the emotional side of uh, organizational and business work. Uh, but I'm really a for over 25 years I've been an organization consultant and work with corporations. Um, and individuals in those corporations around issues, leadership, making the company a better place and be more productive. So um, the author piece, uh, I've written all along my work and I develop materials for people, so I write little articles all along, all the time. But um, the writing the full book was new last year because I really had seen um, the need to uh, connect the dots with the huge need for feedback in all workplaces. So... So you you start off the book with a chapter called Fast, Plentiful Feedback is a Must Right Now. And what's different about now? Okay, there are a lot of trends that have occurred to put the squeeze on our lack of, our normal human lack of feedback. And that's that in the digital environment, people have massively more access, say, than 10, 20, 30 years ago to data coming in everywhere, information, um, you can go in a meeting room, people will just say when they're making a decision, let's just look that up and immediately look on the screen together. Um, people feel that they have access, there's more transparency. And um, so younger people particularly, and I have a whole chapter on that, um, are so impatient with not having access to all information coming in from all sides. And I call it streaming information. So we're getting more and more information. We have more feedback that we can give to, say, uh, somebody we're ordering uh, a book from on Amazon or uh, on eBay. They have reputations. We give feedback to restaurants, Yelp, and all these other applications. So everyone can just go in, Glassdoor. They can go in and check uh, what people who worked in that company have said about the company. So we're getting information from everywhere, and that's the information age. And yet in the world of feedback, uh, we're at the Paleolithic era, probably maybe not as good as the Paleolithic era because then they they conveyed danger and other information pretty quickly. But feedback <laughs> has been a scary, a scary topic for people, and so I don't think we've made much progress over hundreds and thousands of years. So uh, there's a huge now kind of squeeze or push or gap, area, you can call it gap, between the amount – of information required and the amount people are willing to give when it comes to talking directly and honestly to their employees. Right. Well, and I'll tell you what I have observed is throughout the economic crisis, we saw companies really compress the layers of management, getting rid of uh, entire layers of management, which took with it the institutional knowledge about the companies and also a lot of that leadership skill and managerial skill. So you had technicians who were being promoted to managers, 
uh, because they were good technicians or you had great <laughs> salespeople becoming sales managers. So let's talk a little bit about that because your next chapter is you need faster feedback everywhere. We have more feedback except from managers. What's exactly. that about? I kind of went into there. Um, and uh, you made a good point because when we have a flattened um, organization, then we need, inform we need more information from sort of sideways as well and even feedback feedback upwards on how we're doing our jobs. So uh, really the core uh, definition of feedback that I use, I go to the scientific meaning of feedback, which is simply information that you can use to do your job better. Um, and if you picture a little loop or just two arrows going in a circle, you have information, and then when people know if they're doing better or worse, um, then they can make adjustments. And then that becomes new results and that's new information. So what we're wanting to do in order to improve our work faster is to, and to have that knowledge transferred throughout the organization, is we want to spin those feedback loops faster and faster and faster, which is fascinating because we are getting information that allow us, we get data, we get financials, we get all kinds of information about customers, even customer feedback. But what we're not getting is knowing what our manager, um, and a lot of people, millennials, and actually high performers of all ages, and actually everybody really, um, might go home on the weekend. They have no idea how their how their manager, uh, what their manager thinks of them, and in terms of what they could do to improve on the job. So um, I think that uh, there's there's a huge huge. It just kind of underlines that point about um, we need a lot of feedback and people. There's nowhere to hide now in a transparent workplace. We're getting people are having access to a lot of other information, and uh, we still have this psychological barrier to like say if you and I work together. Um, you might be apprehensive, or probably not. But, um, some people are apprehensive about uh, sharing with the other person in real time. Um, you know, what you're requesting of me, how I might do a better job, you know, an issue or problem that you had. Um, we're not seeing that as much as we really need it now. Right, and and so the management training has has been lacking because. We haven't had the luxury of, again, having all the different layers that we used to have. And we used to have training departments and, and training programs that managers were sent off to. And most of those things have gone by the wayside. Absolutely. Well, it's interesting. Yes, we do need training and development. People have underestimated indeed for it. Um, and also, really, what's fascinating um, is that um, – People have received, most people who are promoted to a supervisory level have had at least cursory training or a manual or a book or their manager kind of told them or something about, quote, how to give feedback. You mention, look at their goal. It's sort of, it's sort of a stiff paperwork exercise. And, you know, you sort of like look at their goals, you know, share, do it this way, this way, maybe the sandwich approach, it maybe whatever. But then, uh, and then set some goals, what they need to do to change. So most people, it's sort of like going on a, most people, even who are severely overweight, know actually what would compose a healthy diet. So the <laughs> cogn cognitive aspect of knowing like how you should properly give feedback, it should be objective, you know, it should be observable, and that kind of stuff. And I do have a model, which I love, it's called COIN, Connect, Observe, talk about impact and then next steps. But I, I, I readily admit that other models can work too. If people would be willing to give feedback. So there's another huge problem which goes into another chapter, which is the brain science, fight or flight. People are in a very strong, they're in an anxiety state. 
Um, so if you say you're my manager and I'm a manager, you're, you're an executive and you tell me, Anna, you just got to start getting feedback to people. You know, they don't know where they stand. We need to correct. We need, we've got performance issues here. We're going to have to lay some people off. So you need to start talking to people. I feel like you're asking me to stick a knife in people's hurt people. Yeah. <laughs> the, the brain, the brain, they've been MRIs to show that feedback is associated with pain, with all kinds of memories, all kinds of, so and I, my contention is that it's harder for the actual feedback giver than the feedback receiver. So you're gonna you're gonna send me into a world of pain to have to talk to these people. I'm nervous. I'm trying to plan what I'm gonna say. I don't know how to get the words out. They can see, and we show also with brain science, the mirror neurons in my brain are reflected in theirs. They know that I'm nervous as hell. So yes. when I walk in the room, can I talk to you, Chicky? You know this kind of thing. Um, they sense that. So what we need to do is to reframe the whole meaning of feedback as, inf- as valuable information, like an airplane navigation system, and that we're helping people and that people actually like. There's all kinds of fascinating research that shows that people love, love, love managers who challenge them and who tell them the truth that they can trust. Well, you it's talked really a few minutes ago about the, the younger workforce, and, and clearly as there have been layoffs, and, and some of the older people have taken early retirement and moved on, you're left with the younger workforce. And the interesting thing that you highlight here in Chapter 2 is that they're, they are younger, they are ambitious, but they're feedback hungry. And I loved, I think it was in one of the uh, uh, the feedback points uh, in Amazon where, where someone was telling you that or they loved your term info baby, which I think about my <laughs> own kids and as they move into the workforce, you know, they're used to that. They get immediate feedback on a photo that they post on Instagram. And so how does that feed into this whole process of managers learning that it's a good thing and that they are feedback hungry? I think that's our challenge in working. So I work with a lot of managers, both coaching and also working with the whole organization to to, uh, try to create a feedback culture. So when you work with a management team together and they decide, hey, we want feedback spinning, we want the feedback loops going, we want people to to know where they stand, and when they create that culture, it's a super positive thing. So that's our our job, Ed, to work with that. But um, it's true that everything you said about your kids uh, and my kids uh, too, um, that – they, they have that Instagram. They know exactly. They can post something, people, even the word like, which is not maybe the most objective uh, ex, uh, expression for the workplace. But um, they have. They, they get instant feedback on almost everything except leaders and coworkers and other people they work with just because of the human condition. So um, what we're having to do is actually the, the world that we're living in with technology and the info babies who have been surrounded with this from birth now, some of them, um, they have, they're like, they're just totally dismayed. And sort of sometimes it, they're either dismayed, totally surprised, or they're apoplectic and enraged that, say, a manager would sit down with them for annual performance review and say, you know what, um, you're really pretty good in these areas, um, and you're uh, – you're, you know, I've given you high ratings in these areas, these areas, these areas. Well, these other couple of criteria, which may or may not be that important to our organization, I've rated lower in those areas. Well, some of the younger people are furious. Well, wait a minute. Why, if that's a criteria for our company, 
why didn't you tell me earlier? Why didn't you coach me? Because as you see, they don't have the information. They have no idea how they're performing in those areas or what to do differently. Therefore, that feedback loop, which allows them to adjust and then loop around to new results, um, can't happen. So the, the feedback loop is just stuck. It's not moving at all in some of these areas. And they're, they feel it's not fair. They might have, not have it. They're ambitious. They're, they're, they're impatient in certain ways. So they don't want to wait to find out later that they need to develop other areas. Does that make sense to you? Yes, yes, absolutely. So what are some of the other showstoppers as it relates uh, <laughs> to feedback? Are, are, do we have embedded belief systems that, that get in the way? You talked a little bit about brain science. What are yes. those showstoppers that, that keep this from happening in a healthy way? That's really um, a good question. There are a couple that are, I, I saw, call them bogus. I wrote a, uh, an article in Fast Company called Bogus, Excuse, bogus Excuses Versus Real Reasons Why Managers Don't Get Feedback, and it's in a recent Fast Company, if, if anybody wants to Google that. But, but uh, the biggest one people say is I don't have time. You know, I really want to give people feedback, but I don't have time. Well, first of all, that's sort of patently ridiculous because the main job of a leader is to decide, develop, and to give feedback to people as well as set goals uh, for them to uh, do the work. Um, but um, the, even if it did take time to give the feedback, that it, it's sort of like an excuse. What are you doing? You're doing maybe you need to delegate better. But, the, but that, I'm not even, that notwithstanding, time is a BS reason. Because actually, if you and I, Tiki, have a really great relationship, say you're my boss, and I know you're going to tell me. You're just going to come over and say, next time you talk to that group, you need to be aware of this and this and this. And I say to you, hey, can you give me that, those projects earlier, um, give me a heads up earlier? So we just go to each other's desk. It's no big deal. We have a great relationship, and we're honest, and we're in real time. So if you have a great relationship and you build this everyday feedback culture with people, which is pretty right. easy to do, actually, then guess what? It takes less time, and everyone saves massive time because we've corrected the work faster or we're improving all the time. And um, you can delegate better because I'm more knowledgeable about what's going on. So really the time reason is a complete um, cover over for fear. Um, so that's one of the reasons that it's given. Another is the manager doesn't give it or the corporation doesn't do it. Here I've never received a performance review or blah, blah, blah. And um, that's another re that, is, that sounds like a good reason, but it's really not because actually – Leaders at a sec second or third level who do give feedback can, are, are actually lauded. So even if a CEO is gun-shy or the next level that never gives feedback, um, then if you're like a director or a manager below that and you give feedback to your people and develop people and your group is going to shine, you're going to do better, your people are actually right. going to be developed, you're going to be happier. So usually even gun-shy um, executives approve of and would promote you because you are doing feedback. It's one of the things that's not punished at a lower level. Now, the other thing that you're referring to is really important, I think, um, and that has to do with assumptions based on whether I'm kind of a geeky analyzer, introvert. I have these styles that kind of are sim similar to the basic quadrants of Meyer-Briggs, uh, introvert, extrovert, um, and also thinker or feeler. So if you are an introverted thinker, which is I call an analyzer, these are also go with social styles or insights discovery, but I'm just yes. focusing on the feedback uh, consequences of these behaviors and beliefs. Every single one of those four styles or zones, I call them, have strengths and weaknesses when it comes to feedback. The analyzer is a brilliant observer, has the facts, has the information, knows exactly what 
um, is needs to be improved with anyone's work or with the team's work. But they're gun shy typically. Uh, they're very, very shy or actually avoidant of emotion. So uh, the analyzer who kind of sits there is more comfortable with details, the computer, that's a stereotype, of course. And people are a blend of the styles. I have 12 sub-styles in here. Um, they can, um, uh, they're good at knowing the facts, but they don't share them or mention them. They don't share them with anybody if it's going to raise any kind of uh, concern because they have, an over, they have a bloated idea of how people are going to react emotionally. They might act out. They might cry. They might blow up. They might be angry. And so the analyzer is going to just hold it off and hold the information back or try to wait till another time. Another style is the empathizer, and that's the feeler um, introvert who's the, the friendly person who wants to help people and doesn't want to hurt their feelings or blow their friendship with people by giving them any kind of corrective feedback. So that style right. is very positive in developing relationships with people, connecting, talking to them pretty frequently, individuals, but they do not um, really want to share anything that might uh, hurt the person. And actually they're hurting the work, and also what they don't know is that uh, here's another study, that um, a lot of studies that show that people respect and love and remember the leaders who helped them grow and change and develop and gave them some tough feedback sometimes. So they're not going to necessarily be a more popular leader doing that. Then we have the um, charger, which is the, the one kind of the drive-by negative feedback person. And um, that style is the only really honest. I mean, they do tell you bluntly, you know, just jump in and say, this is unacceptable. But they don't do it in a way that's helpful. It may not be specific. They're impatient. They don't believe in coaching or sitting down with people. So that style is honest and also knows the business consequences. You're losing our company $23,000 by doing this. They can tell you that. But um, they, need, they need to, all styles need to, uh, really partake of, of the this four, all, of three other styles in order to do effective feedback. Finally, we have the uh, motivator, and that is the extroverted feeler. And that's the cheerleader, uh, yay team, we want to do this, we want to do this, a visionary, forward thinking, but doesn't consistently sit down with people and um, may not may overlook certain people. For instance, uh, if you, um, Kiki, are my boss, and I'm with you, and we go to lunch, we're excited, we're working on a project together, you might mentor me, you might give me a lot of feedback. But um, you're not consistent. You don't call the people who are remotely located. You don't sit down and think about each person and how you can help them. So you may be mm -hmm. kind of hit or miss when it comes to feedback. So, that, that, so those assumptions and fears that go with each one of those, for instance, the charger feels uh, is fearing failure, and it's like you're not going to let me fail. So that's all they're thinking, not how can I help you succeed and me and all of us succeed. So each one of those have the fear. The empathizer has a fear of not being liked, being rejected, being abandoned. So each of those goes with a certain um, assumptions that, that, as you mentioned, uh, get in the way. Interesting, interesting. Well, you know, I have been out of corporate life for 19 years now. <laughs> and, hey! Uh, when when I hear about my friends talking about their you know their challenges with their staff, um, you know I I often you know am, am just very very grateful that I'm not back in that role. But even when I was in a corporation, I was not 
I was an individual contributor, and really by design, I think, because people <laughs> realized that my strengths were not in, in managing people. Uh, well, and, and I knew that as well, and, and I really appreciated the individual contributor role. But when you started talking about performance reviews, I was thrown back uh, to 1989 <laughs> at American Airlines. I worked in, in their um, computer marketing division, uh, which uh, was yeah. then uh, just a division of the company. It's now been spun out. It's called Sabre. And we were one of the first companies, I think, that uh, got involved in doing, and it may have been earlier than 1989 that it started, but the 360-degree reviews. So yep. I don't know if you talk about that in your book, but I want to bring it up because I remember uh, thinking, oh, great, I finally get to do a performance review of my boss, right? Yes. And and you yes. could do it semi-anonymously. Um, and you know, I, I'm just wondering whether that trend or that that vehicle is still heavily in use, and and again, where you see the role of the more formal uh, reviews fitting with what you call everyday feedback. Thank you for asking that question. Um, I am pretty much uh, of, of the large number of people who say that uh, performance reviews aren't handled well. They're a poor excuse for feedback. They're really not. They're not everyday feedback. They're rare, once a year feedback. So the problem with them is that they're so rare that they really cause more problems sometimes than they're worth. But that being said, I understand from a legal perspective, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I think you, whether it's sort of it doesn't matter whether you keep. Some people are actually throwing them out. Some of the Silicon Valley companies, uh, where you have really an instituted program of people at least sitting down weekly or monthly with people. Now, that being said, so I'm basically against uh, performance review because it's a poor method of feedback. But on the other hand, I'm not so against it. I'm, I'm, I'm insisting people throw it out if they adopt a much more open, much more frequent form of feedback. Then they're kind of irrelevant. They're not relevant. They're just like, okay, let's fill this out. Because you and I have talked 52 times if we talk once a week about my performance or your performance. So, um, and by the way, I always include in every feedback discussion asking for feedback back. So I think in, in place of the 360 feedback, a much better um, approach is for leaders to invite feedback back constantly. Um, and as they give feedback, they ask for feedback back. They ask for feedback back in their meetings. They also say, I've been hearing from people that were not organized for our meetings or that we're talking, we're, we're wasting time in some of these meetings. Right. Uh, and I agree with your feedback, and I am now going to institute this, this, this. We're more organized. We're going to take things offline for those aspects that aren't needed, or we're going to have ones every other week. So I think it's, it's really important for leaders to show that they're taking feedback from people and to invite feedback and to not react defensively when they get feedback. Um, 360 feedback is an interesting thing. Yes, but leaders need feedback. But I think it sends a mixed message. It sends a message that feedback is kind of dangerous and not safe, that feedback <laughs> needs to be confidential. Oh, good, I get to sit at my little computer and fill all this paperwork out, and then this person gets this anonymous report. And usually the leader who gets it is like, what the hell? Or who's saying this? Um, and so, so um, really, um, I think 360 is a poor substitute. I think it's okay. I'm an executive coach as well. So, I mean, it's a really good tool for an executive coach or in a high, uh, a high potential leadership program where you can look at some areas and look at and set some goals for what you want to develop. So, I mean, it can be a, a good tool that's done like once every 10 years or, you know, even rarer than that. 
but um, I think as it, a panacea, it's really I really think it's sending a message that um, people aren't safe in, in giving feedback and it has to be confidential. The whole point is to get out this out in the open, become transparent, um, always up, down, sideways, and to encourage a culture whereby we can um, get more information, valuable information from different sources in order to prove, improve our work. Very interesting. Well, I do remember my part of that being very uncomfortable, and I'm glad that today I don't have to have that feedback. But uh, but this actually brings up a question, and this is not related to the book. Who do you get your feedback from? Um, Well, I have collaborators on different projects, and I also, so certainly when I'm working with somebody, we're doing a program together or a training or something like that, yes, we, we have feedback. I also invite feedback from um, I invite feedback from all customers and talk to the lead customer. You know, it's like, okay, I really want to improve this program. What do you think? You know, whatever. So I ask for feedback. Uh, basically, um, I'm interested in um, Diane, who works with me as my assistant. Um, ask for so try to get feedback from all sources. There's no limiting the sources for feedback. Uh, sometimes you have to prime the pump because people have these styles, you know, where they're just kind of used to. They're more uh, reserved about giving feedback. So sometimes you have right. to prime the pump and just say, you know what, I really want to improve this program. You know, my sense was that it may have been too long, too this, too that, blah, 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 blah. Um, do you think any of those are issues or do you have other issues? Sometimes if you suggest your own improvements or, but remain totally open to any other ones, then that can help people see that you're really trying to get this information and you're right. not, your feelings aren't going to be hurt. Well, in in the next section of the book, and the and the book is is divided in in four basic parts, and what we've just covered is really the first half of the book. So, part one is the fast, plentiful feedback. Part two is getting ready for that everyday feedback, and then in part three, you give six steps for everyday feedback. Can you in, encapsulate those six steps uh, for us, just to paint a picture of what it looks like? to begin doing this on an everyday basis. Absolutely. Well, uh, the, the first thing really is to, <laughs> particularly if you've been leading or you're just in an organization that has some of the same people in it or the same team, <clears throat> it's not a brand new organization, you absolutely have to, if you want to start getting feedback flowing, you have to tell people what you're doing. Otherwise, I think you're crazy. So we have to, for instance, one company I worked with recently, um, the, we uh, – they even had a town hall meeting. They, they, their performance reviews were being finished in October. So in October, they announced that November 1st, we're going to start an everyday feedback program where everybody's going to be asked to your, – all leaders will be giving you feedback, in some cases daily, at least weekly. And um, you're going to be asked to give feedback back. We're going to make changes in our organization, in, our, in what we do and how we do our work based on your input. Um, so uh, we want to create a feedback culture. The first couple of weeks, we're going to schedule meetings with everybody. So you'll come in half an hour, say, over the first week, and we'll touch on a couple of areas that we want to give feedback on. Everybody, the very best performers, our star salespeople, everybody is going to receive feedback, 30 minutes of feedback and vice versa, and we leaders are going to ask for it. So I think you have to tell everybody in a team setting or a group setting and then maybe in, in an organizational setting, maybe even a memo. So basically we have to tell people – <clears throat> what we're doing, why we're doing it. No, you're not, we're not doing this to fire people. Um, in fact, your performance review is in another year. 
So you're going to have a lot of uh, chances to um, improve your feedback, uh, improve based on feedback. So you have to tell people um, that otherwise they're kind of, are you crazy? Or like, why are you calling in you in, me in your office? And, you know, I'm kind of worried about it. So that's the first step. Um, and then we go into, I don't have the book in front of me. Is it coin? It's, there, I know the steps, but coin, <laughs> look, coin? look for the highest good is the next one. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you. The next uh, important thing to do is to um, – to envision success with everybody. And I, I tell people, this is reading a book on feedback, some people are like kind of nervous because we're talking about feedback. But I'm going to give you something pleasurable to do. Sit back, every leader, and think about envision six months ahead, nine months ahead, a year ahead, and your team wildly successful on the goals that you have in front of you, as well as each individual learning new skills and doing things better than the way they're doing them now, feeling better, more confident, and um, developing uh, great skills. So have you envisioned what would that look like? And just kind of write down your vision um, of you guys celebrating success. And then think of, look at each individual, somebody who maybe wasn't as good with customers, has really learned some new skills, or relating better and uh, developing better rapport with customers and listening better and getting more information. So you see this person improving. You see all, everybody doing better at their jobs. Then um, you uh, write, write those things down and then begin to see how do we need to coach each of these individuals in order to, in say, nine months from now. So we're seeing this. What skills do people need to have? How can I focus on <clears throat> a few areas at a time in order to go down this path uh, towards success. So um, it's good to start out with kind of a vision of where you want to go and seeing all good things, seeing the team, seeing people happy because they're getting feedback. Um, they're developing. Now, yes, you're going to have a few unhappy campers who've been coasting along maybe, not doing as much work of the right kind as you've needed. So there will be a couple of people who are going to be stumblers, um, and that's normal. So um, then you want to schedule meetings with each individual and you want to, uh, uh, I have a model called COIN, and we're going to sit down with each person. We're going to connect with them about a goal. You're interested in becoming a team leader. And um, I'm, I've delegated to you to run this meeting uh, once a week or to be the facilitator, I've noticed, and positive, positive feedback. And I've noticed that we're starting on time. Um, you've got it very organized um, with some of the issues that don't relate to everybody. We've taken those offline. We're clear on the next steps, and people uh, go away having made major good decisions together. Now, some feedback for a correct on the corrective side. Somebody else could be. Um, I know you want to be a leader, and I've given you. I'm, I'm having you facilitate a couple of these meetings here, and I've noticed that you're uh, sitting there um, a few ten minutes. Ten minutes has gone by. Not everybody's in the meeting. We're starting late. Um, you've kind of uh, uh, let other people to kind of take over and have some side conversations, and I'm not seeing crisp, clear boundaries being set. So what I'd like to request of you, and, and the, the impact of that, which is the I is the impact, coins connect, then observe, and the I for impact. The impact is that we don't have decisions made on these key topics, and the meeting went over for 30 minutes. Um, so next time, why don't we sit down and maybe you could plan a little more, how to run the meeting, and um, be a stronger, more assertive leader in the next meeting. And also, I want to discuss with you what ideas do you have for how you can do that. So really, um, you sit down with people, 
from the vision, you've chosen a couple of key, not everything on a laundry list of what, what could be corrected, but a couple of key high, um, high leverage areas that would have an impact on the job. And something I think you can do that you know, may be a bit of a stretch, but something that's doable um, and that you can see good success with. And we work on those for a while before we switch to a new topic of feedback. So that's the next step. Um, the, other, the next step also is in, in the same meetings we want to ask for feedback back. And uh, we want to make sure that we, uh, in the feedback loop, I have a, a piece called that you, that you heard a minute ago, adjust. So we have information, people make adjustments, and then we see results, which is the new information. Um, so if you give me feedback, I want to make sure to adjust exaggeratedly. So, um, I try to find things that I can that I can do that would be productive to do that you guys tell me that you and the other direct reports um, and with each person I ask for feedback and I try to act on that as quickly as possible and as visibly as possible and um, absolutely paint my mouth shut and not become defensive at anything anybody says even if it's kind of off the wall comments so there's a whole art to um, getting feedback from your people and reinforcing the value of them giving feedback. Also in their meetings, if someone says, I think we ought to do this, and they're kind of sharp about it, and maybe awkward, we should say, thank you for speaking up. This is what I appreciate. And in fact, this may be an unpopular uh, idea with some people, but I am so, um, I am so uh, impressed that you brought this up, and it has a great impact because it's going to encourage all of us to be more open in our meetings. So um, you want to reward people who do give feedback of any kind even if at first it might be a little awkward. Um, then what's the next step? <laughs> uh, um, so, well, so, becoming a great coach is, is, yes. is the final one. Yes, and you want to, uh, you really, really want to um, move that. You're, you're going to see that actually you're getting, instead of it being a scary thing to do, to sort of tell the truth more often, it becomes a way you get closer to people. It's so fascinating. They could go home at night and know, hey, um, she's a real, she's a really great boss because I know that if I'm doing something that, that she has an issue with, she's going to tell me right away. So I have trust for you. You have trust for me. Uh, I'm not worried. I can rest easy and know that uh, people are going to speak honestly to me. When you have that culture going on also, you have a culture where people aren't gossiping so much uh, behind people's backs because they're so frustrated because they actually had those discussions with the actual people involved. So um, there's not as much, as much of unproductive and demoralizing uh, negative talk in the organization. So it really helps the culture. People trust you more. They feel closer. The fact that you and I have talked about what you could do better and what I could do better, honestly, brings us actually closer together. And in those conversations, we find out about other things. You're, we're talking more frequently. So we might even talk more, a little bit more about our personal lives, might share more. Um, we get closer, and so the coaching then becomes more um, helping people set their own goals. And the only difference is, is a kind of feedback is a little subset of coaching, but you can expand it into other aspects of coaching where you, uh, I might be more aware of your career goals. I might mentor you more and to have you develop some other skills that aren't really directly related to our particular right. team's goals. Right. And so it just expands, and you get into more of a coaching. And coaching is, in my belief system, um, and I'm a, a professional coach, is really uh, helping the person become very resourceful in um, 
solving their own issues, problems, and reaching their own goals. It's just more of a uh, coaching from the side in that area. Right, right. Well, we don't have time to go into all of what you cover in, in Chapter 4, but it's really taking the microcosm of what you've been able to do with your own team and then uh, proliferating that uh, out to the whole company. And uh, you go into talking about feedback uh, within the top leadership team, feedback everywhere in the organization. And if you are feedback challenged, you know, giving, giving them some very, very specific tips. But the whole focus of the book, Anna, is, is how to give everyday feedback to speed up the team's success. And uh, Anna, just in the last uh, minute or two that we have here, would you tell us how people can best reach you if they're interested in having you come in and, and do a session on feedback for their team or you know, if they're interested in you as an executive coach? What's the best way for them to contact you? The best way would be through my website, um, which is everydayfeedback.com, everyday, all one word, feedback.com. And um, in that, I have a lot of blogs. I just posted three. One was about technical, uh, why it's a little more difficult, technical managers, their special challenges, uh, and also uh, the, the transparent workplace that we're becoming now. Um, and so there, there are blogs. There's my, all my contact information and um, a lot uh, more tips and um, access. Also, I'm getting more into Twitter and, uh, regularly, so every day you can find me on Twitter, Anna Carroll, MSW is my handle, and um, I just, um, basically all of that is accessed through my website. Great. Every, so again, every for our listeners, the book is The Feedback Imperative, How to Give Everyday Feedback to Speed Up Your Team Success. Uh, we have been talking to Anna Carroll. And Anna, I just hope you have a wonderful weekend. I didn't ask where, where you live, but I hope you stay warm. I'm in Florida, and it's freezing here. <laughs> It's cold here in Austin, Texas today. It's kind of dark and windy, too. So, uh, yes, well, thank you so very much, and I really had a good time talking to you. Thank you. Well, great. Thank you so much. And for those of you who'd like to know more about the Executive Girlfriends Group, just go to executivegirlfriendsgroup.com, and we've got plenty of information about joining the organization. We do have a Facebook group as well and then a private group for our members. So thanks for joining us, and have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you so much. You too. Thank you.